This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, hump day time, quarantine hump day. What day is it? No one knows what day it is during the quarantine. My computer says it's Wednesday, so we're going to go with that hump day. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. As previously mentioned, it's a Wednesday evening. Probably going to go ahead and drop this on a Wednesday evening. It's not just me for this podcast episode. It's the only one, I'm the only one here in the studio, but just across uh, town uh, at an undisclosed location somewhere in the 865 area code, I think we're safe to say. It is our good friend, the one and only Patrick Brown, our our Tennessee football beat writer at Go Vols 24-7. Pat, what's up, man? Nothing much, just uh, quarantining it up over here. Yeah, that's... uh, be honest if if you like didn't look at your watch when you woke up every day would you know what day it was yes i would i keep up with things like that show off you show off i feel like dwight Schrute over here if you if you were to sit there and, and tell me like all day right now that it's tuesday i'd be like okay it's tuesday I probably wouldn't know that. I know we have our uh, our content plan there at GoVols 24-7 that we use to formulate our story plans for the week. We send them out to each other, and we make sure we're all on the same page because we're organized hashtag professionals, hashtag Big J journalists. But, Pat, it's uh, I'll be honest with you. I, I Without that thing, I don't I don't think I would know. I really don't. I know. I, I, tend, to, I tend to try to get my uh, – I, t- I, t- I tend to, t- to do more work earlier in the week, and then I sort of just get like – it wanes. My motivation wanes. I can understand that. See, I feel like that so, normally, so. but normally we have like a structure to our schedule, especially like, you know, during football season, especially we know exactly. And I mean, breaking news pops up here and there with injuries and things like that, but we have a structured kind of week and, and we know approximately when things are going to be, when there's going to be pressers, when we need to be on campus, when we don't, what time the game will be, what day we need to travel. We tend to know all that stuff. In basketball season, Ramey and I do, a, I think, a pretty good job, and, and it's mostly him, if we're being honest, to make sure that, that we know exactly where we're going and what day is going to be what. But right now, with this thing going on here, we're all working from home. My wife's working you know, just across the hall in her office, which is cleaner than Fort Rucker Studio right now. But it, it, it's, it, it's just kind of tough for me to figure out like what's going on day to day. It's like there is no weekend. There is no weekday. It all kind of feels the same. Uh, not for me. I guess that's why we're different. You're a professional, man. We are different. Yet we can work together, so that shows that that anyone can get along if you and I can get along. Of course we can. Why wouldn't we? You're a professional. There's no other Tennessee football <laughs> beat writer I would rather us have. I mean that. From the very bottom of this cold black heart, 
I am happy that you are with us at Go Balls 24-7. Pat, we've already done uh, some of this stuff with the, the offseason checklist. We've gone with uh, everyone on the offensive side of the ball. This time we're going to switch it up and go over to the defensive side of the ball. We're going to stick to the front seven uh, in this episode. We're going to do the first segment here on Tennessee's defensive line. And and before we get into specific players and everything, if you were to kind of you know, get, get into an airplane, take that 30,000-foot view of that position right now for Tennessee, that, that group, uh, where things are going, uh, with some new coaches in there, with the players coming back. What's kind of a snapshot you see of the overall position there? Uh, two things. First of all, um, for whatever the 2020 season looks like, Tennessee should be able to count on this defensive line as a strength. Uh the second part of it is that they better bring in some some good guys uh, in this 2021 class because they are losing seven seniors off this off this off this next team. So uh, reloading on the defensive line is going to be probably one of the biggest storylines of this 2021 recruiting class. Um, they need to get some uh, some guys they can build on uh, with there, uh, and maybe even go get some more ready-made guys. Maybe out of junior college ranks. Maybe go to the transfer market to uh, uh, to address that position because. Uh, they're going to be losing a lot after the season, but, uh, that's one of those things where you cross that bridge when you get to it. Uh, and, and until then, then this defensive line ought to be, uh, sort of one of the strengths of the defense, if not the entire team. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. You know, you, I, I think if we were to look at the futures market and say, you know, what's Tennessee going to do in the 2021 recruiting class uh, for defensive linemen? I, I would say that in addition to the guys they're going after in the high school level, already got some. I, I think they're going to go JUCO, and I would be shocked if Tennessee didn't go into the grad transfer market for a, for a defensive lineman. I think if the right situation came up, they'd look at one certainly for this season if the opportunity arose, and, and we'll see what goes on. There's a couple guys out there as potential guys. But I think going into the next year, they're definitely going to have to do that. And we'll have time to discuss that in a minute. But the reason they're going to have to replace a lot of guys is because they've got, as you said, more than a handful of seniors on that group. And, and I'll tell you, last season, for me anyway, Tennessee's defensive line was probably the most pleasant surprise of the bunch. Yeah, you know, Eric Gray did some good things, obviously, but he was a big-time prospect. Uh, we knew what Jennings, Callaway, Batuli, all those guys could do. I, I think th- – you look at a couple things that really surprised me. One would be the way Nigel Warrior played, kind of the way he transformed himself as a defender on on the back end there against the pass. He'd always been good in run support, but he really took it to a new level against the pass and became you know much more effective in that area. But as a position group, for me anyway, uh, the defensive line was the most pleasant surprise on the team. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you there just because, I mean, we heard – I just remember – last spring this time a year ago and they had a i think a really bad scrimmage image it was clear they had a long long way to go um with that group um even in the preseason jeremy pruitt was talking about how and we don't have a lot of separation a lot of these guys don't uh you know there's they, they don't look different it was sort of the old sack of potatoes line sack of potatoes. That he kept saying um and uh early in the season it looked like it they got pushed around a little down a little bit by byu they look you know they didn't really make an impact on the game against georgia state um, particularly in the second half. Um, but then uh, as the season went on, they started to play decently well. And, and I don't have all the numbers in front of me, but in terms of uh, the way that the way that they played the run, I think it was a pretty good group. And I think as uh, guys sort of developed and, and settled in and got used to the playing and playing and getting some more experience, they got better. Um, and I think that's a credit to uh, that group or something else that, that I feel like I remember saying Jeremy Pruitt, uh, hearing Jeremy Pruitt say a lot, I should say, 
uh, is that he said it's a really hardworking group. It's a guy. It's a group of guys that kind of just uh, they show up, they show up to to work every day. They show up to practice and and really focus on getting better. And so they had that attitude, and they had a pretty good position coach and Tracy Rocker, who's got a uh, uh, who had a you know a pretty good track record of developing guys. So. Uh, it was a good formula to sort of get them to uh, get better throughout the season, and, and they did. They were, uh, um, you know, pretty good really from the Mississippi State game on. Um, you know, you know the job they did against Kylan Hill. You kind of go down the line. Uh, they did decent. You know, played decent against Alabama. Uh, really did a good job against South Carolina, Carolina uh, and some of these other teams. They they did a really good job uh, of sort of just winning up front. And and you know the numbers may not jump off the page for some of these guys, but. Uh, the numbers of Daniel Batuli and Henry Toa Toa jumped off because they were able to make plays and and uh, and and fill gaps and and make plays against the run because Tennessee's defensive line was doing their jobs and I think I think by the end of the season Tennessee's quantity was maybe where their quality was coming from if that makes sense they you know, different guys would pop up with uh, tackle for loss different guys would pop up make a play on third and short you know things like that it wasn't you know they they didn't and still don't have maybe that that one dominant guy that Derek Brown who is just uh, a guy that you know opposing offensive coordinators and offensive line coaches lose sleep over. They don't have that guy, but they were still able to get um, production from a lot of different places. And uh, now they've got all that coming back. And and you know the competition I think is uh, if you look at how the defensive line is getting impacted by what's happened with this disrupted offseason, it's the fact that you don't you don't have all those guys together fighting for uh, starting jobs, fighting for uh, spots in the rotation, for spots in sub packages, things like that. So. Uh, but this group still, um, if these guys stay uh, sharp and, and kind of stay on top of things uh, while they're away from campus, this group should be, uh, it ought to be pretty good for Tennessee in the, in the, in the fall. Yeah, I, you know, and anyone who, who's been a member of GoVoss 24-7 for a while or, or, or kind of, you know, and I'm speaking just for myself here or, or has, you know, followed me on social media over the years, you know that I'm big on, on, on a couple of words when it comes to the way I cover things. One of the biggest words that I use all the time because I think it's one of the most important words in sports is perspective. And perspective can mean a lot of things. And, and, and what, in this case, what I mean is I go back to the day that Emmett Gooden got hurt last season. And if you had asked me going into the season, you know, I kind of think of in my head kind of a Mount Rushmore of guys or four or five guys that a team just can't afford to lose. And Emmett Gooden was very, very comfortably in the top five from your top four, maybe even top two of guys that I thought that team just could not lose. I thought Gooden was a, was a really good player. I thought he was a guy who uh, was just as productive as the starters the season before, despite getting a fraction of the reps. Uh, I thought he was a guy who could really kind of go out there and have a monster senior season. And I thought he could kind of really help them keep that thing patched together in the middle. Then he goes down early in camp with a with a preseason uh, with preseason camp with an ACL tear. He's done for the season. At that point, you don't know that Aubrey Solomon is going to get eligible. That thing was in flux there for a few more weeks. You didn't really know what they had. And and for me, I thought people are just going to be able. I knew that Pruitt and Ainsley and those guys are excellent, not good, not great, excellent defensive coaches. But I thought there was just no way for them to really prevent teams from lining up and running and getting five yards or six yards of carry on them all season long. And you really can't win when you're doing that. I just didn't think they had enough to kind of make it work. And if you had told me that day, yes, Aubrey Solomon's going to get eligible, uh, but he's going to be battling injuries, knee, ankle, shoulder all season long. He's not going to be really healthy. He's only going to have a couple of – he's going to be okay, but he's not going to be a a big stud or anything. I would have said they're going to give up – five, six, seven yards of carry all season long. And they didn't do that. And I think that's a credit to those players. That's a credit to those coaches. 
And like you said, Pat, they don't have, I mean, I think a couple of these guys could play on Sundays, but they don't have anyone that you look at and you go, man, that guy, I don't think I can block that guy. They don't have a single guy up there that you go right now. You look at the film from last season and you go, man, I got to double team that guy all the time. Uh, you know, there were times where a guy like Middleton looked like he could do that. There were times where some other guys stepped up and, and looked like they could make plays, but they don't have a single guy that you look like you have to give that much attention to. But if you don't have that guy, you can make up for it with strength and numbers. And that's what they did, Pat. As you said, they just had different guys at different times step up and make plays. Yeah, and you, you mentioned some of the, the concerns about stopping the run. Um, Tennessee was 30th nationally and 4th in the SEC, only allowed 3.7 yards per rush, uh, um, which is which is was pretty good considering what they lost. I mean, uh, it's easy to maybe look back and say that that you know what you will about Kyle Phillips and Shai Tuttle, but both those guys played played in the NFL this past season and, and were making good you know making plays as rookies. Um, so you know you you lose you, you lost some talented guys, and then you mentioned Good and you lose him, who's probably your top returning guy. But I mean, the, the numbers bear it out. I mean, I think they only allowed 150 yards rushing. I think more than you know four times uh, uh, compared to seven last season uh, or in 2018. So um, only once they allow a team to have more than five yards per carry, and that happened four times in 2018. So um, and it was you know. The, it was a group that, that got the job done uh, largely uh, really after the first month of the season, which you can kind of say that about every, about every unit on the team just about. Um, but yeah, I think you, uh, um, it was going to be interesting to see moving into this season. Uh, obviously the big question with me was going to be, is there anybody that can become that dominant force, you know, you know, up front. And uh, I think the, the most likely guy was probably Aubrey Solomon. Um, just, uh, I don't know if he's going to be going to be Derek Brown, but he's a guy that could, you know, if, if he popped up and had ten tackles for loss in a season, I don't know that I would be floored by that. By that, um, the other question was was going to be what were they going to get get out of Emmett Gooden and where were they going to fit him in? Is he is he the nose is he the nose tackle? Is he at one of the end spots? Kind of how those uh, how does that that play out play out? And uh, and certainly they had some other solid pieces. I think Daryl Munson, you mentioned him. I think he's probably probably got uh, maybe a little bit more upside um, than maybe some of those other veterans on the group um and with the, the way this offseason has gone uh, who you worry most about sticking to the nutrition plan working out all that stuff yes. it's probably your big guys right yes, so you're hoping yes, if you're tennessee yes. and your coach across the country you're hoping that your big guys your offensive on your defensive on that they're eating right uh that they are not um maybe suffering from not being able being able to you know squat hundreds of pounds at a time uh if, if some of these guys probably don't have access to uh, that much weight, so you, you hope that you're not losing some. You know, hope that you're not losing ground in some of in some of those uh, areas. But again, if you're Tennessee, um, and if you're new defensive line coach Jimmy Broomba, who's stepping into a pretty good situation, you have to feel uh, if, if they can uh, if they can sort of navigate this uncertainty with being away from weight room, being away from the nutrition table, all those things. They can handle that as a defensive line. I think they got a chance to be pretty good. Yeah, I remember. Uh, Dan Williams, uh, years ago for Tennessee, not years ago, but about a decade or so ago, he ended up playing in his first-round draft pick, played in the NFL for years, uh, just a really, really good dude, a guy I enjoyed covering. Uh, but it seemed like the the deal every every single offseason with Dan Williams. Dan Williams, 
I, I don't know who sponsored him when he went to the pro level, but if he didn't have like a partnership with Wendy's, then he was missing out because that dude loved the Wendy's dollar value menu. And he would go there and he, every time they would take a break for a couple weeks, they'd come back and he would be like 20 pounds heavier. And he would show up for camp weighing like 330, 340. And they're like, Dan, bro, what are you doing? And that to, to me is what you worry about with those defensive linemen, like you said, because they don't have that nutrition that they normally have. You know, they, you can't really, I mean, some people can go to the store every day, I guess, to get kind of the fresh food they need, but you don't really want to be doing that right now. You know, how much are you able to work out? How much you're able to get out there and run? Uh, maybe it just depends on where you live. You know, if, if you're close to, you know, your high school gym that you can go in there when no one's in there. Every one of these guys probably has a different story of what they're doing, and that's going to be a really fascinating story for us to follow down the road. But you're right. For the O-line and the D-line, that absolutely is the biggest concern uh, because you would hope if you're Tennessee that these guys being such a such an older group, you would hope they have the maturity. You know, defensive line is such a developmental position. So is the offensive line. The whole line of scrimmage is. But you, you got to be – you don't just have to be smart there. You you got to be big. You got to be physical. You got to kind of you got to have man strength and man maturity. And, and I think because of what they have up front there, I think they'll be okay there. But like you said, Pat, there's there's no way to know. I mean, we know with some of the young guys like Elijah Simmons. You know, I'm, I'm sure they're terrified of what he's doing when he's not home because every time he come, you know, we showed up to campus, they were like. Uh, yeah, we need to fix this. So they've got some guys like that, but you would hope being an older group, they wouldn't do that. I would think a guy like Emmett Gooden, after the year he's had, um, you know, thinking that he would go out there and ball out and then get drafted and all these good things, and then he rips his ACL, can't play. You would think that he would be, be motivated to go out there and have a big season. Aubrey Solomon, after kind of going through the transfer stuff and being in limbo and then being hurt all season, you think he would be motivated. These guys shouldn't be hurting for motivation because they have a chance to go out there and make some money. Now, you mentioned some some of these other guys, too. Uh, you know, even guys like Matthew Butler and Latrell Bumpus. I mean, some, these guys have been around. Jaquane Blakely. I mean, they've been in the program for four or five years. They're older. Uh, I, I don't know what their ages are, but they're probably 21, 22. Uh, not that everybody's, you know, not that everybody's the most their most mature version of themselves at that age. But um, it, it's easier for, for them to know kind of what they need to do uh, to stay on course as opposed to a guy like Elijah Simmons who had, you know, hasn't been in. Tennessee's program for a full year yet so um yeah you would think that that could be uh, a situation uh, where they could uh, make sure that they make the you know make the most advantage of it but something you did point out about what it takes to be a good defensive lineman I remember Tracy Rocker saying this going into last season he said we don't have a lot of guys that have been in battles they don't know what it's like to uh, to battle it out for four quarters in the trenches with you know an SEC offensive lines physical big strong powerful guys now they got all that and so um, you know, can can they continue on this sort of uh, trajectory that they started last season? When uh, I think they clearly were probably one of the most improved groups on the team. I, I think that's that was pretty clear uh, on a team that really took a lot of strides from its its first game to its last game. Um, I think by the end of the season, November into the bowl game, you could you can kind of count on Tennessee's defensive line being able to hold up pretty well. Now, can they continue that um, with? this disrupted offseason and with the new position coach who didn't really have a lot of time. I don't think Broomball was on campus for uh, probably around a month just to get, you know, so he doesn't know these guys. Um, uh, and, and well, I, I should take that back. He's going to get to know these guys because all he can really do with them now is talk to them and get to yeah. know them. So FaceTime them uh, they don't that, get yeah. a chance to see what his, you know, they got two practices with him, so they don't get to kind of see what his coaching style is like. But 
Uh, he's a guy that's developed, you know, put some guys in the NFL, has developed. Um, uh, he's improved guys. I think Colorado, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think their rushing defense went, uh, took a pretty big j- jump from, from 2018 to 2019. So, so uh, he, he's also got a track record of, of improving guys, and making guys better. Um, and he did, you know, they doesn't get the chance to, to make that happen in, uh, and um, doesn't get a chance to make that happen in the spring. Uh, but now they're just having, he's going to have to find a sort of a way to keep them on track and keep them getting better even when he's not around them. Yeah, you mentioned a, a guy that Matthew Butler is a guy who we haven't, I hadn't mentioned a lot, certainly. But but when, when you talk about just guys on the team and their maturity, I challenge you to find a more mature kid on that football team uh, than Matthew Butler. I, I think to me, he's up there with the Trey Smith and Brandon Kennedy's just in terms of his, his intelligence, his uh, just his maturity level. Uh, he's kind of carried himself like he was 30 years old from the time he was on campus. So he, he he's, I think he'll be he'll be a good leader in that way. Um, and then you got guys like Bumpus who just want to go out there and play and then they're happy to be out there with the team. They're happy to get out there every day and play. They have a good attitude no matter how many times their positions have been changed. They've got some guys there who have a chance to be um, pretty good leaders, I think. Pat, before we go to break here, is there anything – you know, any odds and ends from that position we haven't mentioned? I, I, people have mentioned before that could you maybe redshirt one of these guys since you have so many seniors? I think we've said before that John Mincy is a guy that maybe you look at. If everybody stays healthy, maybe you could redshirt a guy like that because I think he could be a good player, but, but I think a developmental year would be good for him. Um, you know, is there anybody that you expect to kind of take a big step forward this season when you look at that position? Anybody that you look at and say, man, I think that guy could be a pretty darn good player. For me, it might be Middleton if he can behave himself and if he can keep his pads low. If he can do those two things, I think he's a pretty good prospect. Uh, one guy I, mentioned, I, I would be would have been interested to watch during the spring, see if he can make any kind of move, is Savion Williams. Uh, this guy that came yeah. in from junior college last year. Uh, was highly rated, I think, what, the number one um, – Number one junior college defensive tackle in that in that class and in, in the twenty four seven sports composite uh, didn't really make that kind of you know that kind of impact a lot of people thought he would you know I think some people uh, uh, inside outside the program thought he might come in and be a starter right away just given what they had coming back but uh, didn't really pan out that way he wasn't he he was sort of just outside the rotation you know they they really kind of played two groups of three the last two seasons up front uh, kind of rotated and that was sort of how they. Uh, you know, got through games and and what have you, but he was a guy that was just outside. He was maybe the seventh or the eighth guy in the rotation. So, uh, what what does he look like? Is this you know was this off season going to be a chance for him to, uh, with a new position coach maybe and, and a new set of eyes, uh, maybe you know could he kind of take the strides he needed to 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 get in the mix there? And and I guess we'll have to see whenever uh, the, the team reconvenes. Yeah, and I'll, I'll mention this before we go to break. I, I think Jimmy Brombaugh is a really good defensive coach. Um, I, and, and I'll say this in all candor that I, this will be the second place that I've covered him when he was an up-and-coming young coach, uh, and I was covering Chattanooga years ago. Uh, he got hired on that staff, and, and I remember when the head coach at the time, when he hired Brombaugh, he kind of felt like it was a coup, and he said, this guy's not going to be around for long. Uh, this guy's going places. He's really good. We'll be lucky to have him for two years. Might just be one. Uh, so they were pretty excited about having him, and, and he's gone up through the ranks, and he can recruit. He can coach position. He played it at a high level. He was a good player at Auburn. I think he's a guy who's going to be a really good coach there. They, they they had a really good position coach, a really, really good position coach, uh, and, and I think that they're going to have 
Well, they have another one now. So we're going to take away, uh, take a quick break, guys. we got to pay some bills. We're going to go listen to some products and services and in-house ads and all those other fun things. And then we're going to come back from that, and we're going to talk a little bit about the linebackers. There's a lot of, a lot of good questions there. Uh, there's a lot of positions, uh, a couple positions there where they look pretty good and a couple where uh, they have some work to do. But first, we're going we're gonna to pay some bills, guys. Hashtag ad. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast introducing the two-way v4 where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance with fuel cell each step feels explosive delivering unparalleled energy return paired with fresh foam experience maximum comfort throughout the game its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition the two-way v4 gives you the tools to play at a high level learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you may or may not have heard just a moment ago. Uh, as always, you're not morally, ethically, spiritually, contractually obligated in any way, shape, or form to listen to those commercials. But we appreciate the people who do that. Helps us at CBS Sports, helps us at GoVols 24-7, helps us at 24-7 Sports, and, and who knows? It, it might even help you. We're all sitting around here right now uh, in quarantine period. We're, we're working, but uh, most of us are kind of staying around the house all day long. Days kind of feel the same. Uh, maybe you need some new stuff to listen to. Uh, maybe maybe there's a good product that you listen to a commercial and you go, man, I could really use that. You never know. You never know. I mean, you know, it, it, it's to each their own. But uh, I think on some of these commercials, I found some pretty neat things. Uh, a couple quick notes before we move on, guys. I do want to say this quickly. Uh, again, apologies. Um, don't really have a – my voice always sucks, but it's still not very good right now. Having a hard time, you know, getting breath and all that stuff too. So we're, we're hanging in there doing okay. Uh, that's the first thing. And the second thing is we've had a little bit of break in, in the, uh, in some of the, the speech here. I know we're, we're connecting online, Pat and I are, and we've been lucky to avoid some of this stuff before. We're getting a little bit of static and stuff now. I'll try to clean that up, but if you're still hearing it, uh, apologies, we're all kind of going through this right now. Everything's a little different for everybody, but regardless, onward we move. Pat, do you want to talk about Tennessee's outside linebackers or inside linebackers first? Can we not just talk about all of them at once? Yeah, if you want to. I thought about breaking it up into one and one um, in the same segment, but if you want to just throw it all into one big buffet, let's do that. 
Well, there might be some guys that are playing both. So true. It's true. So, yeah. I mean, I, I I think that when I look at them, clearly we know going in the middle. Uh, there's a lot of questions there that, that they got some guys that they're gonna need to step forward. Uh, but having a guy like Henry Toto there in the middle, that's going to mean a lot for Tennessee. This kid picks up the defense very quickly. He took he needed maybe just one or two games to really kind of get his feet underneath him. And he ended up being a really good player on that defense last season. I think if Daniel Batuli hadn't played so excellently, I think Toto would have had even more big plays. It seemed like there'd be times where he would be there to make the play, but then Batuli would be there one step quicker because he was older and he knew what he was doing uh, really, really well. So I think having him come back in the middle – uh, they got some questions around that, you know, where's where's Crouch going to play, where are some of the other guys going to play. But overall, I think when you can start with the foundation piece like him in the middle, uh, that's a pretty good start. Yeah, you know, I think that's a great place to start. And uh, you, you look at what Tennessee has to replace uh, at each level of its defense. Um, there, there's two linebackers they got to replace from from this group we're talking about now with Daryl Taylor uh, and Daniel Batuli. And um, I, I think, think Batuli's value to, to, to the Vols was pretty evident last season, I think. You know, without him on on the field, those first two games, defense looked lost. Uh, um, they they didn't didn't look prepared. Uh, not all of that was just on Batuli's absence. I think you know, Georgia State. I think that was a uh, from a top down. That was a, that was a, a big mistake. So, um, but yeah, I, I think Toto is a guy that can can sort of um, take over some of the some of the responsibilities that Batuli had in terms of of setting the defense, being that that alpha guy, being the signal caller, the the extension of the coaching staff, all those cliches you want to throw out there he can do all those things and he can be a face of the program guy and he already has been so um he i remember talking to him at after a practice in jacksonville and back in i guess it was late december it feels like it was like eight years ago at this point Doesn't but it? My goodness um, it does. He, he was talking about you know is, is this defense going to be yours after this after this bowl game and he was like he, he, you know you know you know Henry's not going to come out and say, yeah, yeah he's not that personality. Yeah, it's true. Um, you know, he said it's going to be a, a, a group effort, and it's going to be. But uh, he acknowledged that he's going to have a lot more responsibility. Um, and, and he thinks he uh, said at the time that he was ready for it just because he's been um, sort of Batuli's protege for, for, you know, even the minute he got on campus and even before, uh, you know, Batuli talked about Toto reaching out to him before he even was on campus and asked him about uh, schematic things with the defense and things like that. So, um, they've they've got sort of a built-in replacement there. I think the bigger question for Tennessee, and this will this is a segue coming up here, but uh, is can they get a second linebacker to play next to Toto, who was as good as he was last year? Because he was pretty good. Yes, uh, he, he wasn't. Was. Yes, he was. Uh, he wasn't perfect, um, but he was he was pretty good. He was a productive player, did a lot of good things. Can they get somebody that can play at that level uh, as well as he did? And that that's the bigger question to me. I think I have more questions as about uh, what they do with that particular um spot i should say as maybe more than i'm concerned about how toto is going to handle uh sort of being batuli's replacement so to speak yeah i think that the where crouch plays is going to be a huge factor for tennessee and you know we talk about frankly we talk about uh, you know if spring practice or spring camp is is canceled or if it's moved and they do kind of an extended preseason camp however they choose to handle this when when football resumes and sports resumes it could end up being a benefit for a guy like Crouch because he was going to miss spring camp, uh, and this was going to be a huge spring for him, and it was not a good time, uh, not a good time for him to to be doing that. So, 
I, I, I think depending on how things shake out, it, it could be good for him because they need to see him a lot. He needs a lot of reps because Pat, he might play inside, he might play outside, might play both. But but if he could step up there and be the guy next to Toe Toe, that's not a bad situation for Tennessee. Athletically, it'd be a great situation for Tennessee. But I guess the question is, can he handle it? Uh, with Crouch, yeah, I think he's um, and, and the position thing, I think that was going to be something that we were going to talk about all offseason under normal circumstances, and it still might be, but um, I, I think he is still a guy that and this is just me, uh, I still think that he is versatile enough where you need to keep playing him in different ways. You keep, you need to keep being creative with um, with, with where and how you play him, um, and, and that could be maybe a role where on first and second down, he's an inside linebacker, and then you slide him down to the edge and let him get after the quarterback. It seemed like a lot uh, as a freshman, he was near the ball. Um, and so you, you like those instincts and that natural ability, sort of uh, a feel of the game, so to speak, that we hear coaches talk about. Um, and, and and you can keep doing that. You can keep rushing him off the edge, rushing him up the middle on third downs. You can keep uh, doing different things with him. But um, I, I think he's probably your best bet at, at, at being an inside linebacker. Uh, he, he's got a lot of groundwork there. From uh, That's where he was all of spring practice a year ago. Uh, he spent some time there during the season, started a game there against Alabama. Um, I, I think that's, you know, that's maybe the tandem that you want is, is toe-to-toe and crouch. But uh, I think with with Quivaris, you can you can get creative in, in what you do with him uh, and, and play to his strengths and what he does best. And um, I, I do think this was uh, going to be a big spring for him just to continue to get comfortable uh, in the defense. But um, he, he's a guy that, that – I think could be a really good linebacker. He's built like an inside linebacker, much more than an outside linebacker. Um, but but I think you can continue to do uh, with with a guy that's as versatile as he is. I think you you can continue to uh, get creative and and find different ways to uh, maximize what his talent is. And 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 he's got a lot of talent, and uh, that's why I think moving forward, wherever he ends up playing, he was going to be a big part of what Tennessee's what Tennessee was going to do on defense particularly at the linebacker positions. Yeah, and Crouch isn't the only guy that, that they need to see, uh, that needs to get as many reps as possible before the season starts because, you, you know, he, he's frankly, he's not the only guy that um, that is in a position where they don't really know where he's going to be playing. I mean, you look at some of those signees that are coming in, Bryson Eason, uh, Martavius French, do they see those guys as definitely inside linebacker guys? Do they see them as potentially guys who can slide outside? You know, Laneith Whitehead's going to start at, at running back, um, but but is he a guy who goes over to defense? And if he does, uh, where does he line up? Uh, the You know, the, you got guys, um, you know, will, will Barron be a guy who plays off the edge a little bit as an outside backer, or is he going to be more of a D lineman? You know, they got a lot of guys – in that class that it's kind of hard to say exactly where they're going to play, but, but these guys are talented enough where they might be able to get into the mix early because Tennessee might need them. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think with some of the couple of guys that got coming in, um, we'll have a chance to get on the field. Maybe a guy like Bryce Neeson, uh, you know, what does he look like? Of course, we don't, we don't know when any of these guys are going to get to campus uh, with Tennessee. Not, I think they've closed campus through at least July. So, uh, some of these guys will probably be enrolling and taking their first college classes online here in a few weeks, uh, which I'm sure will be a different experience and obviously not something that they were expecting. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think they, you know, guys like Eason, guys like French, uh, you look at the two outside linebackers, uh, Morvin Joseph, Tyler Barron, I think they all had decent chances to maybe get on the field right away uh, this fall with uh, with the way Tennessee didn't really have a whole lot of depth at, at either of the linebackers spots beyond a couple of uh, a few guys that have played a lot. Um, so, 
but you know, with everything being disrupted the way it is, uh, you, you kind of would think that freshmen and newcomers are in a worse position than, than they would normally be just because of, of, you know, they're not being on campus they're not in the program, so to speak. And they're not having a chance to work directly with, um, you know, the coaching staff as much as, as they might otherwise have the, have the ability to. Yeah. And I think there, there's a lot of interesting things going on there because, you know, Pruitt likes to say that, that this defense isn't difficult to learn. Um, I, there are people out there who, who suggest the opposite. Now, I don't really know. I couldn't sit there and tell you whether a defense was complex or not. I know that Nick Saban, uh, Pruitt, you know uh, Kirby Smart, that style of defense is one that uh, you see some of a lot of the NFL teams run. I mean, it, there, there's some there's some complexities to it, but Pruitt likes to say that they keep it simple enough where a lot of guys can go in there and do things early. But you still see him making a lot of checks. Uh, Batuli was so important in that last season. Now that a lot of that'll fall on Toto. But you know they've they've got a lot of questions there, and I think that's a spot where, to me, the the spot where I look at and you go like the 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 biggest swing of could it be really good or really bad? I look at inside linebacker or sort of linebackers in general as that spot because I think they could be pretty darn good. I could also see a scenario where they're where they're really not very good, and, and I. In other positions with Tennessee, the way I look at it anyway, and surprises happen all the time, but I look at positions and I say, I think they're going to be pretty good or, no, nah, they got some work to do there. Um, you know, like a tight end, you go, well, they got, they got, they got some work to do there. Uh, but then you look at O-line and go, man, they should be pretty good there. You know, I think when you look at the linebackers in general, that's where I see the biggest variance or, or the, the largest number of possibilities. Do, do you agree with that, Pat, or do you see a, a different position having that, that kind of title? No, I, I think that's – I think you're spot on. I don't really have anything to add to that. I'm like uh, James Carville in old school. I have nothing to add. Uh, okay. <laughs> that was perfect. Or are you equally shocked that it was such a good point? Uh, but the uh, that's uh, quite the backhanded compliment. But I'll take it. Right, that's still a compliment. That's still a compliment. Did you black out like Will Ferrell did in that movie? Yeah, I don't even know what happened. But <laughs> when you look at the the edge rushers, Pat, that that's they're they're part of this too, obviously. And and I'll be candid. If you had told me. Um, you know, the Jeremy Pruitt's going to be entering his third season at Tennessee and knowing who he is as a recruiter and, and kind of the position, um, the critical factors that they always talk about, that phrase, critical factors, the size of some of these guys. I thought I would see a lot more linebackers that are in that 6'4", 240 or 6'4", 245 range. I, I thought that you would see a lot more guys who kind of had that Batuli size to them. And they've got that kind of weight now, but they don't really have that kind of length. They got a lot more six two guys. There's a couple six four guys. They don't have maybe quite the size I thought they would have at some of these positions. Uh, but some of these guys have turned into pretty solid players. You know, you look at a guy like, um, uh, well, let me make sure I get make sure I got it right here. I got the list here. Um, I think when you look at them, Kevon Bennett's a guy who. You know, he doesn't quite have the the length that you're looking at for that position. He's only about 6'2", and that might be kind. He's about 235. Uh, but he's a guy who off the edge has just shown that he can get in the backfield and make some plays. Same for DeAndre Johnson. I think this is a huge season for him. He's a senior, the kid from Miami. He's got some talent with, with uh, you know, Daryl Taylor gone. Will he step up and do some things? Because if those guys don't step up and play really, really well, they've got guys coming in behind them. Uh, that can really kind of wreck that and really get in there and get some of their playing time. You're talking about guys like Crouch if he goes back outside a little bit. Um, you know, you're, you're talking about guys like uh, Roman Harrison coming off the edge. None of these guys are in that kind of size range that, that I would have thought they, they'd be going after, but they have the ability to go in there and make some plays. And those young guys, I think they'll be ready to go. I think if those seniors and, and juniors aren't ready to roll, I think those, those, those young guys coming up will take those spots. 
Yeah, and the thing about you know they're they're not getting a whole lot of those uh, prototypical maybe edge rushers is that they don't grow on trees. Correct. Now. Correct. And then you got you you got to worry about the Alabamas and the Georgias and the Clemsons of the world and the Ohio States of the world getting some of those guys because they usually get first pick. Uh, that's just the reality of Tennessee's recruiting right now. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, you know, DeAndre Johnson's a guy that I think this coaching staff likes. They just like they would like to see him get a little bit more consistent, uh, eliminate some of the mistakes. I think Avon Bennett probably improved as much as anybody last season the way he came on. He surprised um, me a lot. Yeah, and just you know, not only becoming a, a more effective pass rusher, but becoming a, a more complete player, a, a player who maybe understood the game and the ins and outs of, of what offenses are trying to do and how they're trying to do it, understanding that a little bit more. Um, that, that's something that he, that he talked about late in the season, about about how he uh, really was taking advantage of, of studying film and, and getting a better grasp of, of uh, sort of the nuances and, and the, the uh, you know, the, the details of the game and, and knowing how, you know, what's coming before it, it happens. So uh, I, I think that's a good starting spot. You know, from, you know, we'd heard that DeAndre Johnson had had a pretty good offseason up to this point. Um, he was certainly a guy that a lot of people, myself included, were going to want to see in, in spring camp. And uh, I think, you know, missing the practice reps is, is big for a guy like Roman Harrison because uh, he's still getting used to playing out on the edge. He was an interior guy in high school. Um, has a lot of good raw ability, and, and Tennessee saw that in, in preseason practice where he was making a lot of plays, even though he didn't know what he was doing. This was a chance um, for Harrison to really kind of get a grip on on what he was doing, what needed to be uh, what he needed to be doing on every play. Um, and and those three guys in particular, I think, need to uh, and over the course of this off season, however long it lasts, uh, needed to sort of become that, that more complete player guy, you know, become guys that can drop into coverage when they needed to become guys that can hold up against the run just as well as they can get after the passer. Cause we've seen those, those guys have been able to uh, get after the quarterback in some situational pass rushing. You know, it was kind of their role uh, last season, but you know, can they be every down guys? Um, and I, I think, I think Harrison had some good, uh, good reps uh, against the run late in some games that he got into. So, um, and if those guys can handle that part of the role, then, you take Tyler Brown, you take Morvin Joseph, you can simplify things for him and say, hey, it's third down and eight, go get the quarterback. You know, that, 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 that's why, that's how you can maximize what they can do, even if um, they don't, even if they're like, like Harrison was last year, where they don't really know what they're doing, but they, they play hard. Uh, they have some, some twitch off the edge. They can get around tackles. They have some speed, things like that. They can get after the quarterbacks and make an impact on the game that way. Um, and, and what's interesting about those two guys in particular is that Joseph is. Uh, a little bit more like that um, that prototypical edge guy. Um, I, yeah. I don't know what his – what do we have him listed at? Uh, I'm no. looking it up right here. I got it. Yeah, I'm about to pull uh, it up right he's, now. He's 6'2". He, he looks longer than 6'2". 6'2", um, maybe because he's listed at 220, so maybe that's why it makes him look a little longer than he is. Or maybe he just has uh, a good wingspan. I, I don't know. His pictures of him make him look like he's a physical freak. But um, he, he's more of a light, maybe a speed guy, where Tyler Barron – you know, it wouldn't be a surprise if he grew into a d- defensive lineman at some point. So, uh, but maybe Barron's that guy that can, old, you know, maybe with some time, be that uh, that guy that, that sets the edge uh, as a run defender. So that that's where you know that, that's sort of where they are at that position. But um, if Tennessee's having a situation where they have to have those freshmen playing a lot, that's probably uh, probably not a good sign because it either means that some of those guys in front of them got hurt. Uh, or they're not getting the job done, which uh, I think Tennessee, uh, regardless of what they think about those guys, uh, in terms 
the Bennett, Johnson, Harris, whatever, whatever Tennessee thinks about those guys, they need those guys to, uh, to take a bulk of the snaps because uh, that, that's not necessarily a position you want to be playing uh, a true freshman 40 to 50 snaps in a game. Yeah, and a guy like Bennett's going to have to get used to getting a little more attention too because he, he, he took advantage a lot of times last year of – uh, being on the opposite end of of Daryl Taylor, who had to command double teams, who had to, and and I think that when you go back and look at the way Daryl Taylor played, and then you go back and and it wasn't really reported a, quite a ton at the time. He was pretty darn banged up last season, uh, but he he did not say he had a stress about fracture it. in his chin. Yeah, and I'd say that's pretty banged I, up. I mean, I mean that's a, that's two hundred and fifty to two hundred sixty pounds of of weight every time you step on that. That, that, that hurts, man, and, and he didn't do a lot in practice throughout the season. We kind of thought it might be maintenance days, but ultimately it's because he had a, that shin injury. Uh, and he still, uh, despite that that pain, he went out there and he played pretty well, and he, he, he took some uh, young SEC offensive tackles and tight ends through the spin cycle, made some big plays, he had to be double teams. Now, now you're not going to have that. So guys like Bennett, guys like Johnson, you know, they're going to get occasionally chipped. They're going to have to deal with these things that they didn't have to deal with before. So how they react to that, I think, might be interesting because, you know, Bennett's a guy who he, he's he got – I mean, you talk about the bloodlines, you know, it's – Biscuit Bennett's one of the best defensive players in SEC history. So, I mean, you know this kid grew up around the game. He grew up – he went to a powerhouse of a high school. He, he knows the game. Um, so it's interesting to me if he can kind of continue that trend and, and take it to the next level. Pat, before we get out of here, I do want to mention uh, – I left this – late just for you because uh, I wanted to open the floor up for you I know a lot of people want to hear about it we, we we had them wait a long time 40 minutes to get to this but Pat uh JJ Peterson the floor is yours boy it's uh guy can't catch a break can he seems like it uh I mean first first year he's on campus he he gets here at the last minute literally literally get that I'll never forget we're in the car going to Charlotte for the West Virginia game, getting the text saying the JJ been cleared. It's like, it's like, it's it like, it's like that GIF where Batman is running through, like, and he's got like, the bomb over his head. Yeah, it was like, hurry, 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 get it in, get it in, get it in. Seemed like that. Uh, it, it was uh, after it was just that was the culmination of like the whole summer where every time if I was in another room or if I was in the shower and I heard my phone ring, I was like, oh, what's that mean? What did JJ get cleared? I don't want to get, you know, I've been chasing that for a while. I didn't want to, didn't want to get beat on it. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, has, it was, it was like know, last pan, year it was like the shoulder watch. issue. It was Panda Watch from Anchorman. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was Panda Watch. Uh, and then now this year, chance for for him to maybe get a bunch of first team reps in the spring, and then there's no spring. So um, it's kind of tough to expect too much, or kind of tough to know what he's going to look like uh, on the other end of this thing. And that's that that goes for everybody. I mean, this is such a unique situation, not just for JJ Peterson, but for everybody on the team. I mean, what you know. Uh, these coaches are going to be doing the best job they can to make sure these guys are staying on their P's and Q's, both uh, you know training wise and, and more maybe more importantly academically. But um, and that was something interesting that you know we didn't really talk much about what Jeremy Pruitt said last week when we got a chance to talk to him. But I, I don't people probably think they're doing a whole lot of football right now, and I don't I don't think that that's necessarily the case. I mean, first of all, there's only so, so much either. football you can do when your team's not together and guys can't really do much practice in a football. Um, but even more than that, it's just such a such a weird time. Or you know, guys have classes at a different point of day. I have no idea how uh, even a regular Tennessee st- like if you're eight a.m. class or you having that class online at eight a.m. I mean, I, I don't know how they're how they're handling all that. To be honest, you might have a little bit more insight of that with uh, with your wife working for the university. But um, just it, yeah, who knows uh, at this point what to expect from him and and what to expect from anybody. I mean, I think Pruitt said this last week uh, when talking. He was talking about how you know they're coming up 
trying to think of plans for how they're going to uh, go about things when the team, whenever the team does get back together. I mean, not everybody is going to take full advantage of it. You have some guys that are that are self starters that are going to um, that are going to keep themselves on point. Uh, guys like you know, I would think Henry Toto is one of those guys where you, you know he's he's going to be ready to go. You know, you know he's he's staying sharp and and isn't uh, maybe isn't slipping behind. But there's there's guys that are going to be doing that and and that aren't going to be as motivated. Going to be as you know self-starting and self-disciplined to, to keep up as, as, as some of the, some of their teammates might be. And, uh, and that might be a situation where some of the, these guys need to have some leadership and make sure that the guys are staying in line. But, um, it's just a unique situation. It was a tough, another tough break for Peterson though. Cause I think he had a chance to, this spring to really, you know, it was kind of, kind of going to be now or never for him, uh, this spring. And, uh, it turned out it was not going to be now or never for anybody because they only got through two practices with no pads on. So, um, uh, yeah, that's that's all I got to say. Yeah, I, I, thank I mean, you for opening the floor for me there. Though. I it, appreciate that. We didn't mention him. It's your boy, man. I was saving it for the end. Uh, I wanted to, it was a, it was a treat for everybody. No, I mean I I think that that when you look at at Peterson, you know, you see the difference in what JJ Peterson to me is a great example of why a lot of us keep talking so much about what these guys are going to look like. You know, if they don't have, if, if it's a month, two months, three months, whatever it is, where they don't have the strength and conditioning program at Tennessee with that daily oversight. Because Peterson was a guy who was one of the higher ranked players in the country at any position, especially his own, you know, position. And he shows up at Tennessee and guys have been there for either a month or three months or, you know, seven months, eight months, whoever it was in different cases. And um, they didn't look the way he looked. He had a belly. Uh, you know, he had kind of an offensive lineman's belly there playing linebacker. Still really athletic, still had a lot of potential, uh, but wasn't in shape. And he's a guy who, you know, kind of fought really hard and they, they kind of were, were making progress gradually, kind of chipping away at that. And now he's going home for a couple months, and I'm sure Peterson's one of the ones that they're trying to FaceTime to see what he looks like. I'm being candid about that. I think he's a guy who there, there's been some concern about what will he look like when he goes away, if he goes away for a month, two months, three months. I, I don't know that they know what they're going to get back there because it's such a big time for him. There's so much opportunity. You would think that he would be, be motivated, um, but sometimes guys just need daily oversight, and he doesn't have it right now. I mean, not like he normally would. Yeah. So That's I don't really situation know. Situation for a lot of guys. Anything else, Pat, linebacker? Is there anybody? I know we mentioned last year Salon Page got in there and did a couple things. Uh, he went in there and made some plays. He's still got some eligibility left. He's a guy who, who's incredibly smart, can play anywhere on the, in the linebacker core. I don't know that they're going to rely on him a lot, but but they will see. Uh, Aaron Beasley, if he sticks at linebacker, he's a guy who is athletic and can do some things. There's some guys there that we haven't mentioned that have the ability to, to maybe help the team, but overall I think the guys that we've touched on are pretty much the guys they're counting on. Yeah, I think I think Beasley was going to be an, maybe an interesting guy to watch just to see is he going to be linebacker moving forward or are they going to move him back to safety? Is he going to be a Princeton fan? And, he plays everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that was some that was the question to me is is uh, if he was a guy that you know through two weeks of spring was at linebacker and then we show up for the third week of spring and he's in safety, it wouldn't have been that surprising. But uh, he he might have an easier path to playing time at linebacker right now um, than maybe he does at safety. So um, you know what. what what did he look like with the full off season and the you know full winter of, of off season lifting and all that stuff? So, um, and something I do I do think we uh, we didn't point this out early when we were talking about the defensive line is that Tennessee has apparently reached out to Mississippi State uh, portaling defensive lineman uh, Fabian Lovett. Yeah, he, who, he, uh, he was one of the guys I was referring to earlier without saying his name, but he's definitely the, one of the big names in there. Yeah, and he he. he 
he he's talked to a couple guys uh, across our network. Uh, Josh Newberger, Florida State uh, Insider, does a great job down there in Tallahassee, and then Chris yes. Hummer, who uh, does a great job for our, uh, is on our national side of things. Uh, both both have talked to him in the past few days. Um, love it went in the portal. I think on Friday after that whole Mike Leach tweet fiasco. Um, I didn't actually see the tweet; only read about it. But uh, I think uh, Love it went into the portal shortly after that happened. Uh, he's getting a lot of interest, um, and so uh, he is a. I think he was a redshirt freshman this past season. Um, so he's a guy that would have two years of eligibility left if he had to sit out what whatever happens at the twenty twenty season. But just worth mentioning. I don't. I'm not gonna. Have, Sit here and say that Tennessee's leading form or anything like that. I don't. I don't know what's going to come of it, but uh, just just noting it here on on this year podcast for uh, just to, to have our our eyes crossed, our, our eyes dotted and our T's crossed, so to speak. I mean, if you want to cross those eyes and dot those T's, you can do that too. It might look you like good. It might look like German uh, if you do it that way, but uh, it, it could it could work out. Yeah, there there's some guys out there that if you're good enough. And you can help them in a certain position. Uh, you're 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 going to get some attention. Uh, Tennessee Tennessee will look at you. They th- they think they're going to be at 85 scholarships this season, but uh, y- you know that stuff's always in flux. There's always a chance that you could you could see somebody else popping up uh, in the mix there. Pat, anything else before we step out of here? I think we covered it all, Wes. Thanks, man. Well, I appreciate your time, and we'll uh, I guess we'll catch you later in the week when we do a little bit of discussion on the uh, on the secondary. Sounds good. Guys, thanks for tuning in. As always, we appreciate it. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. If you just want Tennessee news, if you don't want the other stuff, if you just want uh, all Tennessee news all the time, maybe corgi pictures aren't your thing. Not, I don't take that personally. No big deal. Uh, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7 or facebook.com slash govals 24-7 where Ramey does a great job helping us lead the way there with our Facebook uh, content and engagement and all that other kind of stuff. Or you can go get that East Tennessee Mountain spring water directly from the source. Even during this quarantine period, you can get that delicious, delicious, crystal clear East Tennessee Mountain spring water right from the source at GoVols247.com, where you can go right now and you can get a free trial there for, for a week or so. You can check us out, see if you like it or if you don't. The retention rate's pretty good for a reason, I would say, uh, because uh, I think we put out a pretty good product. I think you should go check it out if you, if you like this podcast. Uh, and you want to see that in written form, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, no matter what's going on, GoVols 24-7 is the place for that. And if you pay us full price, then you get a $100 annual value for free. You get, as long as you're a member for us and you pay us the full price, you get free access to CBS All Access where you can watch everything in the CBS network uh, for free with zero commercials. You can go through the archive, every show, every episode, everything. They rotate new movies in every month. There's some web-only shows that you can find there, like Picard, other things like that. Uh, you can get uh, different movies, podcasts. Uh, when sports come back, they're going to have live sports, college football, SEC football, NCAA tournament stuff, uh, some UEFA Champions League stuff when that comes over to the to the good old CBS network here in just a little bit. Tons of reasons to do that. So, guys, thanks for tuning in. And if nothing else, you will hear from us oh, in probably about a day or two. See you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 